Welcome to Tinto Talks, the hub of all things perinatal. My name's Octavia and I will be talking about all things pregnancy related and beyond. We'll be covering specialist topics from experts in the field and collect a spectrum of real life stories from parents who've been there and done that. Our aim is to offer unbiased, evidence-based information, but also shed light on the joys and challenges of parenthood to support each unique journey. There really is something here for everyone. Finally, if there's a topic that you want us to cover, let us know. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and prepare to feel supported, inspired, and informed. So hopefully if you're listening to this, you've already heard part one, which is called Birth Stories, Planning a Home Birth, Ruby, part one. So we know that at the end of the last interview that Ruby's platelets were a little bit low and that the likelihood of a home birth was looking a little bit slim, unfortunately. So today she's going to talk us through how her birth actually went and whether or not she still managed to have that positive birth experience. Hi Ruby, welcome back to Tinto Talks. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm good. Good, and you've got little little girl, Mari. Yeah, she's just being carried around by my husband. He's trying to get her to have a nap, unsuccessfully, but she seems pretty chill. <laughs> Love it, good, that's what we like to hear. So thank you for coming back to join us today um, to talk about your birth. Um, obviously we met you a few months ago, I guess it is now, nearly, um, <laughs> talking about your planned home birth. Um, and there was a little bit of umming and ahhing as to whether or not you'd be able to do it at the time, I think, because your platelets were a bit low, is that right? Uh, yeah, I think by the time we spoke, I think they sort of said that I wouldn't be able to at that point. But um, there was always the hope that they might dramatically go back up, but it wasn't likely. And that did not happen, unfortunately. Okay, fine. So to talk us through it, what happened? So I can't remember exactly weeks now because I'm riddled with sleep deprivation. But um, <laughs> I think, yeah, it was 37 weeks. Um, I went in because um, my platelets dropped from, I think, 97, where they'd been hovering for about four or five weeks. They dropped to uh, 72. Okay. Um, and um, so my midwife was, you know, wanted me to get checked out by one of the consultants. And he was keen to induce uh, quite quickly, um, wanted to wait until I was sort of 38 weeks. Um, and I basically reiterated my desire for a natural birth wherever possible. Mm. Um, and so he said, well, look, we'll keep testing your platelets and um, we'll play it by ear. And if they drop too far, then we'll have to induce you. Um, but obviously he was keen for me to get as close to the 40 week mark as possible. It's interesting that you basically had the option to just to not be induced when they were recommending so that that is a big thing that a lot of mothers don't understand is that they do actually have a choice to to push yeah. induction and it's they are well within their rights to kind of say you know I want to wait as long as possible I mean obviously you need to listen to medical advice but yeah it's a delicate balance and I I was really really torn I was so torn and they weren't I think if they well on the day that they did actually say you know it's it's now we need to do it I didn't push back at all um but whilst whilst I was still a couple of weeks away from being full term I I did think actually the benefits of waiting are kind of outweighing the benefits of um you know being induced at that point um 
and and I was really pleased that um at uh, the doctor that I spoke to and at my hospital they really respected my wishes and they were really aware and and you know focused on the fact that I wanted a natural birth and they wanted wherever possible for me to have that um which was great I mean I think if I hadn't have done the positive birthing uh, course that I did I and they said oh we need to induce you I'd be like right get the baby out let's just crack on um and I'm so pleased that I didn't so yeah and then with the um thrombocytopenia which is basically the low platelets you mentioned before when we spoke about it that um I mean there's a cutoff every um every anaesthetist and hospital has a slightly different level okay um and depending on your kind of um you know your pregnancy your health your size everything they're willing to go down to a certain levels as well so that was in itself a bit stressful because i was like it kind of depends who's on shift in the day what level did you get down to it was kind of crazy so the i think it was week 38 um i had two sweeps um and at that point my platelets were hovering around the 76 mark um the anaesthetist at um chelsea and westminster had said um we can give you an epidural down to 60 mm -hmm. and um we will do a spinal if you need a c-section down to 50. Mm -hmm. um so they weren't they weren't willing to go any lower than that um yeah, so I think um, what I've read, like 30 to 50 is where you're kind of at really low levels and then 50 to 70 is your kind of usual cutoff point within most hospitals. Yeah, they were, I think because they were dropping so rapidly, they were kind of more anxious. So um, I had one fine, after my sweep, I had one, uh, my last blood test and I basically said to the doctor, um, I'm 40 weeks on Tuesday, um, you know, I'll be induced on Monday. And at that point it was Thursday and I was like, I'm okay with that. You know, I've, I've, I've hit the full time point. Hopefully before then, like the, the midwife had said, you know, you're two centimeters uh, dilated, your cervix is really soft when they were doing the sweep. So I was like, baby's gonna come naturally. And I was just really trying to be very positive, bouncing on my ball, eating loads of dates, which yeah. are disgusting. Um, and then on the Thursday morning, woke up and my midwife basically rang me and just said, uh, your platelets have dropped to 60 um, we're booking you in you need to get ready and come in within the hour wow. and it was just kind of like it was really really shocking and a lot of the kind of positive mentality that I'd been cultivating did sort of go out the window a bit at that point because I just I'd really prepared myself for that Monday point and they were just absolutely categorically you're coming in now so it just felt quite scary and then when I got into the hospital and they took my bloods again when I got there I'd gone down to 52 wow. um, and it was just, yeah, at that point they, um, they did a blood test and they did a blood match and they had a big load of blood uh, waiting for me in case I needed a transfusion, um, which was quite scary. And um, they kind of just kept coming in and, and saying, you know, the blood is ready for you. Blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, oh my God, you know, this is so far from what I had expected. Yeah, of course. Um, Did you keep yourself calm at that point? Um, I was, I, to be honest, and this sounds ridiculous, and I'm sure people who uh, hear this interview will think I'm 
mad but the thing I was most scared about was having my cannula fitted I just couldn't bear the thought of it and I really didn't want it put in and the midwife who tried to do it failed and it caused this huge bruising and swelling and it was incredibly painful uh, and there was no beds available on the labour ward so I was there for 11 hours without anything happening other than just this nurse jabbing me with this massive needle that didn't work and then people kept coming and telling me that I was going to need to have a blood transfusion so at that point I cried a lot Mm. and um, they were saying that Ollie might need to go home and um, I, I did really kind of lose my focus there. Um, I'm surprised I mean how to like create a really stressful kind of pre I know experience. Oh it was I was just and then um, but then we we got moved um, Ollie very like was kind of not pushy but just really firm that because I was so upset that he needed to stay um, and because a bed was due to be available soon they did let him stay mm-hmm. uh, a anaesthetist came and fitted a cannula in my other hand and that was like completely pain-free and amazing so I started feeling a bit better um, and when they moved us to the uh, the room on the labor ward um, it actually had a pool in it and obviously one of the things that I'd always wanted was to have um, was to labor in the pool so I was just so happy that we'd actually even though I was on the labor ward um, and was going to have to have continuous monitoring that there was some of what I wanted there. Okay, um, okay with you um, getting in and out of the bath and at the pool? Would, yeah, so they, um, we, like, I think they weren't planning that I would have a pool, that I would get in the pool, but I was so sort of like, I really want to get in the pool. Um, they actually moved us rooms <clears throat> to another, another uh, ward labour room that had a pool in um, where there was um, remote monitoring. So they, I still had the monitoring, but it wasn't attached to a machine so I could move completely freely throughout my labour, um, which was an absolute lifesaver because being on that bed was just making, I was just feeling really quite panicky. Um, it is quite intense like when you're kind of linked up to so many different things and yeah like everything that you're told during your prenatal experiences like upright forwards you know yeah banding you know all these different things and then suddenly you're lying on your back like with your legs up in the air and all these straps around you and you're just like this is definitely not what i've been told is going to be no easy way of getting the baby out so yeah Yeah, totally um but they they were they really respected my wishes all the way through they all read my birth plan um i'd written a new birth plan based on being induced um which was like i want to avoid continuous monitoring if i can um i don't want lots of doctors just coming in and out I don't want anyone in there that doesn't need to be in there um, they turned the sound on all the machines off so that it was just completely silent in there apart from our music um, Ollie decorated the room with like my mum's quilt loads of um, fairy lights like amazing music um, so yeah it was really really lovely um, yeah like our midwife just sat there in the corner and just left us to it and they let me wait for an hour and a half once they broke my waters um, which was luckily all that they needed to do in terms of I didn't have to have a balloon or any of that sort of stuff because I was already quite far along in the process. Can can we just talk through, like, so you arrived on the Thursday morning? Thursday at one. Um, We went went into the labour ward at about 1am. They broke... Yeah, you said that you, you had your water spoken at 3am, so I was trying to work out what had been going on that day, like, but... I had just been sat there crying. (laughs) Oh, Ollie's saying that's not true. I was I was okay, but I it was it was just you know it was just a long time to wait. Um, and you know yeah, um, 
so yeah, I broke my waters at three, which was harder than they expected. Um, but I'm glad that I didn't have to have anything previous to that, um, like a pessary or anything. And then at my request, they let me wait nearly two hours before starting me on the hormone drip in the hope that my labor would start naturally, during which time I just did a lot of squats. <laughs> um, yeah. That didn't work. So they put me on the hormone drip. Um, at like that burning, burning quads by the end of it. Just like, I literally... Oh I literally was and like obviously I'd broken my water so there was just like water was just coming out of me and I was just sort of jumping around squatting on the in the labor room um but you know it was fine you don't go you don't have a baby to look good or classy so that was what was going on um and then at about 10 well no about seven in the morning once the drip had started they were like look your labor isn't uh, actually you know established yet but they let me just sit in the pool for a bit um, so I just sat in the pool and like just basically had a really nice long bath, which was lovely. Mm. Um, and then at about 10 o'clock, I kept saying, you know, when is it going to start? Like, let's ramp up, ramp up the drip. Let's get this going. I want to feel, I was like, I want to feel what a contraction's really like. And they were like, you won't be saying that once they kick in. Yeah. And at about 10 o'clock, I was like, oh, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I, I spent the first sort of two hours of um my labor on my ball at the end of my bed um just kind of like bouncing and i had my tens machine um and the freya app which is an app that accompanies the positive birth company thing um and just do it it was just doing breathing for me so i was just breathing through my contractions and uh you know having the tens machine and surging it when i was having contractions and i mean uh it's you know contractions from a hormone drip is like no joke but um it was it was okay it was bearable what does the app do um so it just breathes for you so it just kind of goes in two three four five six seven eight out two three like that um and that went we had that in the end i couldn't uh, had it on phone. <laughs> no, no, babe. I we had it on our speaker. It was on just on that for six hours, the whole of my labour, and after Mari came out. Um, but it basically put everyone into this trance, and everyone was just <laughs> moving really, really slowly, and everyone was doing the breathing with me, like our two midwives, Ollie Love and it. me. We were all just there, like doing this breathing um, in like the most perfect, calm, like parasympathetic kind of like. It was, it was, it was literally trance like event, like, especially after a few hours. Um, yeah. And I kind of, yeah, like I worked out with the contractions because at one point the drip was too high and I was having five contractions every 10 minutes. Um, and it was, it was getting really quite hard to breathe through those, but the, the, the app really helped me. I would really recommend it to people who wanted to have like a, you know, pain relief free yeah. labor. And did you have any medication? I had two intravenous paracetamol. Uh, I think that, that was it. I tried the gas and air a little bit, but I really didn't like it. So I, I had a couple of puffs and was like, no, that's not working for me at all. So Fine. got rid of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, the TENS machine as well, I guess, is counts as pain relief. Did the, um, being in the birthing pool, did that help as well with the... Warm? Yeah, it was once so once i couldn't handle being on the ball anymore it was about two hours i then spent two hours in the pool um and after apart from the point of getting off the ball and into the pool which was so horrible it made me throw up um once i was actually in the pool it was just yeah again 
really amazing very very calm just like breathing through the contractions um I mean it was unbearable but it was also I just kept thinking you know you can't have an epidural yeah you're not don't want to be knocked out from because this point my platelets are still at 52 you you don't want to be knocked out for when your baby comes out so you're just going to have to get this baby out so you just need to keep open as you say forward and upright and just like yeah get bub get bub out basically um wow and by the end of that sort of four hour period um I'd gone from four to nine centimeters so she was ready to she was ready to come a speedy pro I mean it's not speedy but it's quite good you know like you know in terms of how long some labors can be especially if you are induced you're I mean, you, your body was obviously kind of starting the process because you were already two centimetres. So that's, you know, a really good sign. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, it's, you know, it's so interesting to think about what it is that causes the body to get read, that ready to kind of start the process. And there's uh, uh, not any evidence or much evidence at all about anything that specifically works you know they everyone's always like have sex and you know we talk about it a lot about me like you know eating pineapples and drinking tea um, and all sort of stuff cool. yeah exactly and and really like you know i think it's I, I think there's a lot to be said for the mindset that you're in and you know agree. i've had friends who have kind of literally got to the point where something's happened that day when they've you know they've not been ready because they've got children other children to look after and then something's slotted into place and it's like okay I'm ready now and then they literally go into labor that night and mm-hmm. I do think the mindset you know and again coming into that kind of whole physiological chemical process that you know you're trying to encourage during labor makes it yeah sense. um but also you know yeah incredible that you did it without pain relief because I you know one in five labors are, are induced and many of them end up with some sort of intervention whether it's um epidural because it's so painful and then once you get that epidural then you often are you know much less mobile and in control and then you often end up needing some other sort of instrumental kind of um, yeah I think I've I really felt and I felt a lot since when I've looked back on it that you know my dream of having a home birth was taken away from me. My dream from when I was, you know, first started thinking about having a baby that my mum would be there with me was taken away. You know, my dream of having my baby in the bath was taken away. And I just was, I just thought to myself, like, if I don't make this incredibly positive, I I was worried that it would really impact me and how I felt about my labour. And also I just wanted to do the best for myself that I could. Um, and I was just really, really focused on just having this amazing story to tell Mari once, you know, she grew up that I'd been able to do it. And I wanted, I wanted to have something that made sense for me after all of this stuff hadn't made sense. Coronavirus, not able to see anyone, not being able to have any antenatal, you know, I just, I wanted one thing to just be in in my control. Um, and I think that, that made a big difference. Yeah, I think that's a really, you know, amazing thing and a really important factor as well because a lot of people's birth trauma and PTSD from birth and postnatal depression, all those different things. I mean, there's so many different reasons why you can get them, but you know, a lot of it is when control is taken or the expectations are not fulfilled, and you know, whatever level of control it is you manage to maintain, that's what's really important. And I think, you know, I think it's important for people to know that your birth plan doesn't always go to plan but you can still with the right 
you know, um, communication with the team that you're working with is incredible. Like what you say that they list, you know, really read your birth plan. Interesting that you rewrote your birth plan as well to to fit with, you know, your new circumstances. And, you know, I think it's Ollie sounds like he was totally on board as well. Like, you know, getting the room. Really, yeah. And and, you know, making sure that you've got your advocates there for when you can't speak, you know, you've got your husband who knows what to say or your the midwife, you know, you really brief everybody and, you know, just trying to maintain whatever level of control it is and knowing that you do still have choices no matter what situation you end up in. So, well, yeah, no, definitely. It it felt it just felt and I think every time every woman who gets to you know give birth to their baby however they get to do that it's incredibly special you know life-changing moment mm-hmm. um but it just it just felt so unbelievably right and so so special for us as a family and like just having ollie there right with me was just amazing Yay. we've got little bub face smiling just your little baby and so how has mother early motherhood been how how are you doing yeah i think um I think because of having such a positive birth for me made a big difference. Um, and, um, once, I mean, cause we hadn't found out what we were having, but we both secretly really wanted a girl and we didn't, after she came out, we, we didn't find out for, um, I'm listening. for about five minutes, um, what she was. Cause they just put her on my chest and covered me with a blanket. Oh. Um, so we, I was just lying there like, Oh my God, I've got my this baby, baby. My baby. <laughs> amazing baby. And it didn't even cross my mind. I'd completely forgotten that they were going to tell me whether she had, whether she was a boy or a girl. Um, Probably not cut then, the cord then. No, we had delayed cord clamping, um, which was for about uh, 15 minutes. Um, again, in my birth plan, um, I wanted that. Um, and uh, yeah, and then they were like, well, let's just check her fingers and toes and check everything's all right. Um, and so they lifted her up and it was quite funny because her legs were twisted and then her cord was twisted between her legs. So like, it was like this weird thing where she kind of twisted round and, and we still couldn't see. And then she twisted round again and Ollie just went, oh, we've got Mari, we've got Mari. Oh, what was your boy name? Uh, we were going to go for Ezra. Oh, nice. Um, so her. yeah, but um, yeah, it was, so it was just icing on the cake really. But yeah, so... Um, and I, I think she, yeah, she came out, she was very calm. She latched on straight away, um, which, because I, one of the other things that I'd really wanted was to be able to um, exclusively breastfeed if, if at all possible. Um, and yeah, she latched on straight away and she's, she's fed brilliantly um, since then until now, um, which has, which has been really great. Um, she she just gained weight in her first uh, five days and then ten days, um, which they couldn't believe about because your breastfed babies normally lose about ten percent of their birth weight in the first week. Yeah. Um, so she's like our little chunk. Um, and for me, um, we done a lot of research into um, you know postpartum care for new mothers um, and particularly around the kind of food that you um should eat when you've just uh had a baby um lots of like anti-inflammatory um high fat content um and uh it's yeah based on the ancient chinese um kind of uh, postpartum care of sitting the month basically so you 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 just as the mother your only job is to look after your baby and then everyone around you looks after you um and ollie did that to a tea he cooked me three meals a day for 
uh, the whole of the first month, pretty much. Um, wow. Lots of ginger porridges, he, like lots of fatty broths. He like he always had like a carcass simmering on the stove. Um, I mean, you look incredible. Your skin looks amazing. Like you don't look sleep deprived at all. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I do. It, it did make a huge difference just taking that time. We also had two weeks where we didn't have any visitors. It was just the two of us, and we didn't really go out other than Ollie going to the shop. Where did, um, um, where did you get this information from? I'm going to definitely gift it to every new mother. Yeah. Uh, so the first 40 days. Love it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the woman who wrote it also has a uh, Instagram account called Mother Bees, where she basically sends, um, like goes around to women's houses and cooks for them postpartum as well. All the recipes in the book. But it was also just really good for us both to read that and to set our expectations for what what how I was going to feel and things um but yeah you know um I stopped bleeding really quickly um because I breastfed so much my stomach went down within the first sort of three weeks it was yeah. fine I, I've gone back to my pre-pregnancy weight now um so and I credit all of that with just you know amazing nutrition and also just being very nourished in terms of like how much support i've had from my family but also just taking the time to look after myself and look after our little bub so yeah it's it's been touch wood it's been good <laughs> well done that's amazing and, and well done ollie as well i think that's so you know amazing to hear he's been so on board, on board right from the very beginning and i think you know there is so much pressure to like you know get everyone around and meet the baby or get up and go out nobody ever takes the time to to relax and to allow their body to just heal. Like they say, you know, even from the musculoskeletal point of view, you know, you, they, you should be having lots of supine rest and lying down flat, letting the body to just settle and kind of come back to its natural state. And, you know, whatever type of labor you have, it's, it's, it's no mean feat. Like it's, it's a huge thing your body goes through. And also you've just been creating a baby for the last like nine, 10 yeah. years. And then, and then you've got to look after it. So you yeah, be kind to yourself, and you know, like you say, nutrition, sleep, rest—they are the most important things in the early days. So yeah, really yeah. No, it was. Um, I mean, I can't. Um, yeah, I, I, I know that not everyone has the kind of uh, partner, a supportive partner that's able to be there in the way that Ollie was. Because I think, again, you know, a weird blessing from coronavirus that he has just been here because he's been on furlough. So I've I haven't had to do it on my own in the way that a lot of he is a chef that helps, um, and he's also you know he was the one who wanted a baby probably more than I did so he's uh, you know very excited and uh, always happy to take the baby from me when so that I can have a bath or a nap or something so dream yeah. oh babe well listen thank you so much for coming on and just talking through everything I think you've given some really wise words and advice and it's interesting to hear that your story was you know not what you planned but but actually really positive still and i think that's that's i think that's a really important message because i think mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people who you know have this wonderful kind of ideal of what they think birth is going to be about and it doesn't always come out that way but it's nice to know that you can still have a really positive outcome so 
Yeah, I'm so, I mean, I'm just so grateful. I've never been so grateful for anything that that's how it worked out. Because when I first got into the hospital and I was crying and my cannula was bleeding everywhere, I was like, this could go really badly wrong. And I'm so pleased that it didn't. Brilliant. And I'm also pleased I didn't have to use that big bag of blood they kept telling me about as well. That was freaking me <laughs> out so it's much. It's waiting for you. Yeah, we've got this. I was like, I don't want it. Leave me alone. <laughs> Love it. All right, babe. Well, listen, thank you so much. And no uh, I'll speak to you soon, okay? Yes. All right. I'll be Bye. Bye.